0: Welcome to Bring the Virtual Balance, a podcast by the Office of Health and Wellness at Peru College. Bring balance to your life by addressing matters of the mind, body, and soul. Listen now on Anchor and all podcast platforms.
1: To bring the balance with your hosts, Kat and Gabby. I'm um, Kat and.
2: I am
0: Gabby. Hello, everyone. And today we are joined by physician assistant Linda Jean Baptiste from the Baruch College Healthcare Center, Shameen Khan, a peer advocate for wellness services, and Elise Aramian, coordinator of the Office of Health and Wellness.
1: Today's topic is a super important one called Technically in a Relationship, where we and our panelists will be discussing the impacts of technology
3: on our lives.
0: And without further ado, let's get started.
3: So today we'll be discussing the following content, which includes what is work-life balance, how technology affects your work-life balance, then we'll be getting into how the outcomes, what the outcomes of poor tech work-life balance is, including how technology affects student leaders' work-life balance, and then we'll be transitioning into establishing boundaries with technology, as well as how we can reclaim control of work-life balance.
1: So before we even really get into the nitty-gritty, we need to understand the meaning of work-life balance. So according to the 2020 Cambridge University publication, Work-life balance is the amount of time you spend doing your job compared with the amount of time you spend with your family, friends, or self doing something that you enjoy. Working from home has brought many unprecedented changes to our lifestyle, but it's still very important to find a time to decompress and relax.
0: And technology has become a very powerful tool, especially today. And even though it's a very powerful tool, there are many pros and cons associated with technology and our usage of it. So in reference to work-life balance, technology allows for better and easier collaboration between colleagues, improvement in overall productivity, and regulates how work gets completed. On the other side of that, some cons associated with tech are blurred boundaries between work and home, which can lead to increased workload. Also, many employers and coworkers may have increased expectations from fellow workers who are constantly on the job. And I can definitely relate to this because I can think that I can, you know, get this presentation done at like 3 a.m., but just because my laptop's there doesn't mean that I should, you know, constantly be looking for it. So I can definitely relate to this.
3: and with poor work life balance one can find themselves spending less time with their loved ones and having lack of energy and that's and some of the physical effects include the lack of energy increased fatigue poor health prolonged and heightened stress and then these are just some of the possible physical effects that someone may face who's having poor work life balance but then again every individual is different and therefore they may find themselves responding in different ways
1: so I have a quick question for Elise. Have you experienced um, any poor work-life balance, like notice it, like any notes about your body or maybe eye strain? Because I know for me, like, it's always like I'm sitting on the screen for so many hours. And so I'm like, I get up and I'm, like, oh, my back.
2: Um, absolutely, cats. Um, uh, I've noticed that I have a more eye fatigue. And um, I've also noticed that Um, It's challenging for me to turn my thoughts off and then um, turn them back on at a specific time. Uh, Since now I can no longer just look at my house as uh, a place of uh, peace and sanctuary because it's also a place where I'm doing all my work. I've noticed uh, my neck as well is a bit more stiff. I don't know if it's because of the fact that I'm on the... um, the, the laptop um, longer, or if it's because it's affected, you know, my sleep habits, my sleep routines, I find myself going to bed later, because I'm not concerned about waking up, you know, at the crack of dawn. But that has also affected um, my sleep patterns as well.
1: So Linda's actually going to be touching on some of these subjects. She'll be focusing on the three dimensions of wellness, which are intellectual, physical, and social. Um, There are eight in total, but these are the ones we're focusing on today. And describe some of the benefits and damages that technology can impact on student lives. Um, Technology has been integrated to just about all aspects of our college career, um, whether it's transportation, education, entertainment, nutrition, socialization, and even sometimes religion, and in fact, though with the current coronavirus of twenty nineteen, sorry, twenty twenty, um, has it's made a further impact on technology being very vital for our survival. As many of us have turned to it to use it for educational purposes, as well as social and physical and medical. So, um. If you are able to, Linda, you can just discuss some of the intellectual dimension aspects of technology's impacts.
4: Okay. Um, good morning. I'm Linda Jean-Baptiste. I'm at the Student Health Center. I'm the PA here. Um, and discussing the intellectual dimension, which would be the, um, the more uh, thinking type of dimension of the wellness. So looking at this screen, this is a little portion of what I had written before. Um, when you go to before COVID, we're talking about way before COVID, during the electronic age, and that's your generation, okay? So anyone born like 1990, 1995, many teachers, many schools were a little bit expecting that the students already were a little tech savvy. So coming into school, there's like a baseline that they're expecting to you to have already before you even start the class. And so that's already a pressure in itself, because not everyone is coming at the same platform. So in the intellectuals age, in techn- technologically speaking, this is already a stressor. Uh, when the college students then are in that college environment, um, it's added with other new tech, other new type of uh, modems or apps or programs within the classroom environment some of it is very good because some of the students if they're really savvy about it they can use it for another platform which is socializing communication and other find- and finding other information for themselves but it also it goes backfires on them because if this is something that they need to go by and to graduate it can cause a stress in a sense that they need to pass they need to get so much done. And so they're, they're really relying on the tech to do everything, to do the work for them. Where before, like in my time, I know we had computers in my time, but we actually had to think through some of the stuff. Whereas right now, I don't have to go to the library to look up something, I just type it in and Google will tell me everything, you know? It could be false, it's not gonna tell me the truth, it's just there. So it's very easy to get all this information. So information, yes, it's a good thing. You get a lot of information, but no, you have to actually seep through to see what's true, what's not true. And that's the problem. With a short time frame, you don't have that time.
1: Yeah, I can definitely speak to the intellectual dimension of like how fast paced accessibility to technology has kind of impacted us as a society. Um, sometimes I tutor my little cousin And because they're on online school, they have all these different ways of kind of maneuvering the courses that were in person to now online. And I look at her like computer interface and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. And I would consider myself tech savvy. So it's definitely that level of like, you know, quick access to information, but also on top of that, just technology being a very fast paced evolution.
0: Yeah, and I, and I would say in addition to that too, like um, going back to that piece that you mentioned even about like false information, I think because of the accessibility, we still have to use our critical thinking skills when we absorb this information. You know, you we've all heard the phrase, like not everything you see on the internet is true. And that is a very true phrase. You know, you have to, you know continue to use those critical thinking skills to like make sure that is this information that i'm receiving actually useful to what i searched or what i you know or what i'm looking for so i can definitely also attest to that
1: so i guess we can move on to our next slide which i believe is social dimension.
4: <laughs> really? okay Yes, so on the social dimension, um, it's actually obvious, right? Um, Before, like I know many people say, you know, when dating was dating, it was just you wanted to get to know someone and you actually went went out and talk. And now it's like, oh, I can date so many people just online. Um, And so you've got all these apps, there's Tinder, there's, you know, um, Match.com, there's all these apps. Thing is that it also brought up this new culture called hookup culture um, not that hookup culture didn't exist. Okay, it did exist in a different platform before, but it seems that it's gone to a greater scale now. Um, and so people are just hooking up with each other, and it's like you just you could see each other online, and literally it's like two three minutes later you're meeting with each other, having sex, and it's, there's no relationship with this, right? And so and then what's the thing is that this is the norm, like it's accepted, and there's a competition with oh, how many hookups have you made? How many people have you hit? Um, what type of apps are you using? And there's a classification as if there's like a type of clique among people, like who's doing what? And they're saying that this is the norm. And the problem is, is that this is a breakdown of also your soul. It's a breakdown of your personality. It's a breakdown of also what what you know about sex. I have a lot of students who come to me and they're telling me, oh, this is sex, and this is that, and this is an infection, and I'm telling them, you got it all wrong. Like, whoever told you this is the wrong thing, and I'm telling you, this is what the facts are. Like, you don't need to have symptoms to have it. Um, so in this whole age, yes, they're, they're giving you information, but at, all, at the same time, it's also hurting you as well, um, not only just in intellectual sense, but also in a spiritual, in a social sense as well, because you're, you're not identifying yourself. You know, you're young, you're trying to find a sexual identity. Um, you're trying to relate to people to find a way of how you relate to others, because when you're young, you're growing, right? Young people, they're having puberty, they're going through stages, and they also want to social, you know, sexually identify themselves. Who am I with these type of people? These are the type of people I like to go out they relate to me because I like, I like to see these type of pe- this type of characteristic in men or in women or whoever. And that's where this hookup culture is either helping and also hurting as well. Also, the hookup culture is a dangerous platform because um, like, if you're in a community, let's say you're in New York City, you're in this community, the people you hang out with is mostly the kids in high school. So it's like your age range. You know what I mean? Whereas in a hooker culture, you could have people who are way older than you who look young and don't, you don't even know it. And they are going to take advantage of you. Right? And that's where you get all these stories like, oh, this person who is so many ages older was going out with this young person and you are wondering what in the world of how this how ever happen? And this, is, this platform is helping this. And many people are getting hurt by this too. Um, and, and, you know, there's a sex trafficking also. People are taking this as a platform to earn money, to, to do a lot of things. So, um, the social dimension, it was meant to help people to find people in a different way, in an easier way too, but at the same time, there needs to be like guardrails in between to prevent like the slips through the cracks. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Yes, I just
1: wanna to mention to our viewers that we're not saying necessarily that hookup culture is inherently bad what we're saying is that the platforms being used to that need to be used wisely and with conscious thought of your safety first um because you don't know you know again it happens all the time they say this about you know social media platforms you can post a picture and that not be the person you can post a picture that cannot be their living situation so being mindful that you know sometimes social media platforms encourage facades means that you can put your safety at risk by going out there to meet people that you wouldn't have met in person naturally.
4: Yeah. Can I? um, The social media platform, it's not something I would be shamed about because I have actually friends that have gone to weddings and that's how they met each other, okay? So it is something that's positive, but it's just that sometimes I get students who will say to me, I had a hookup with this person. I thought this person was good. We went out for several months and then that's when the real true self came out of this person. And I didn't know this would be, and then you, you wind up thinking, oh, had this person had known the person in a different way, or maybe if they did use the online internet, maybe ask more questions or were a little bit more uh, careful at that first date, this, prob- this end would not have happened. So this is something that it's there, but you gotta use it really wisely.
0: Yeah,
1: the, the objective word, be
4: careful. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think kind of speaking to to Linda and Kat both your points is that, you know, the, the screen provides us with a sense of security, right? Because we are behind the screen when we're communicating with anybody on the internet. So we can kind of, you know, Kat, you were saying that it promotes like these aliases of ourselves, these facades, because only, because what we see on our Instagram profiles or on our social media platforms, like are just these photographs of ourselves. And Linda, like you said, we don't really know what's going on. We don't know this person, you know, from just the photograph that they're seeing on social media, right? So I think definitely, you know, being mindful that like there is always the other side of the coin for anybody. Um, So yeah, I think I can definitely speak to that as well.
1: So our next
4: topic is going to be... Just one thing about social. Um, <laughs> we were talking about dating, but social is not just the dating thing. Um, the social is also, like, the, uh, the gaming industry um, and also, like, the meetings and, like, when you have, like, those gatherings. So the social dimension is a good thing to gather to get, um, like, the GoFundMe pages and everything, but sometimes it could be bad because it can be the cause of a riot It could be also the cause of a virus um, where somebody's tracking a virus and it's from somewhere across the ocean, another country. And so that's another thing I wanted to add. It's not just only the dating app. It's just there's more to it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, I'm going to say we can go to physical dimensions.
4: And Linda? Yeah, so the physical dimension... Unfortunately, due to this pandemic, this is where we are. But technically, um, when students were students who, you know, they had to travel to the subway, they had to take a bike to go to class, your screen time was less, right? But now that you're home all day, it's not just, I have three hours of class, it's three hours plus, because it's just the class time plus, like the prepping or just searching and all that. And you're sitting in this room for many hours a day. You're not able to, you know, take the subway, walk, bike, whatever you routinely do. So the physical dimension of technology, um, in a sense, it's hurting us more now due to the pandemic. And so I know that Joy had a in her online newsletter about eye health, and it was a very good newsletter. I'm telling you, people don't think about their eyes, but it's it's really, really bad. And We might have a generation of a lot of students wearing glasses now going forward because everything is screen time, screen time, screen time. And we're not just talking about the computer. We got cell phones, laptops, you name it. Even those wristwatches are screened. And some people are sleeping with them. They live by them. It's everything about them. So there is a blue light that is admitted. Um, I wear glasses. I have that protective blue light. Shield in there, but not everyone has. And so your screen time is going to be affected by it. I show you the 2020 rule, and it's like 20, you take 20 second breaks, 20 minutes apart, and look away 20 feet away. It's hard to do because many people think, oh, I can't do this in a short time of span. I, I'm going to be in the middle of something good, and it's like 20 minutes in, and it's going to be 25. Um, actually, your attention span is 20 minutes. That's where they get the 20 20. So technically, you could be reading a book. For an hour, but your attention span, like actually attending to this topic, is really 20 minutes. Um, and that's one physical mode. Another thing is how you do it. So, you know, I heard Gabby was talking about, oh, she's 3 a.m. in the morning, and she's trying to do something in the morning. So your screen time, the time you leave that screen and say, oh, it's time to go to bed, will affect how you go to sleep, how long you get to sleep, and if the quality you just sleep. And it's because the melatonin starts to change, right? So if you're taking that screen time and you don't transition before you get to bed, you'll actually feel it in the long run. So it's not just actually at the screen time. It's also what you do after and before. So that's another thing to take care, uh, to watch out for. Um, I know some people are buying those screen protectors, which is a good idea. Um, the problem is is that when I did the research, it's funny. Um, they're saying that the screen protectors is not really, really recommended, But I still think it is because if I'm wearing these glasses, there's a reason, okay? When I bought the glasses, I needed it for my vision, but they just added it in because of protection. And I do use the screen a lot, okay? In healthcare, there's no way you could not use a screen. For all your patients, everything is screen time. So if on my end, this is happening, what about you guys with these online courses? It's the same things as if you were working this eight-hour, 12-hour shift, so, yeah, I would suggest you get those screen blue protectors, you know, blue light protector screen. Um, also, you need to get more physically active. So uh, I know some classes can, I don't, I don't know how the online courses are. I know that some of the courses when you walk in, when you pre-COVID were one and a half hours. I'd never heard of a course three hours unless it was a course and a lab put together. So I don't think the teachers are doing it that way because you can't do lab online. So, if those courses are designed to be one hour, one hour and a half, it's okay. But when you get to, like, two hours plus, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, And you need to, like, take a break, stretch your legs, move around, move around. You know, that's where you get the strains, the back strain, the low back strain, the neck strain. Um, Those are the problems with the technology today. And also not sleeping with the cell phone in your bedroom, please. (laughs) That's another thing. Put it in another room. Let it do its job. You don't want the lithium-ion battery to explode in your room, if anything happens. They always say that. Okay?
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the things that I actually point, um, noted was, I I do put my phone on Do Not Disturb after a certain time because I know myself, I just want to have that wind down time, but I am absolutely guilty of maybe picking up my phone and doing the small little section of, you know, scrolling before bed sometimes. And I do leave my phone near me when I sleep. So those are two things that I'd like to work on because we, it's getting to the point where like, you know, we'll eventually get to this new normal, but I have to take consideration of like how my actions for the entire year of being on a screen has impacted my health. And like, what I will notice is that like, cause I spent a lot of my time looking down at something, either my laptop or my, my phone, I'm getting a lot of neck pain there. So it's something that like we do necessarily have to do. Like, even if it's not an issue now, you think about your future self, you know, you might not have the the eye problem now, but you do want to get blue light glasses because, you know, you can protect it so you don't have to worry about this later. Uh, I do want to ask you, Linda, so how does sleep hygiene kind of be affected by our technology relationship?
4: Yeah, so what happened is, our bodies, before all technology ever was created, we technically have a circadian rhythm. So our body tells us when to sleep, right? It tells us when to wake up, when to sleep. And um, napping, you know, I had a session with napping also, as well. We tend to nap at a certain time of day. And the body knows just exactly when to do it. And that's why I know in Baruch, um, you have your club hours around like 2, 12 to 2, which is really good because that's exactly when the napping time occurs. So when the students start napping around that time, go ahead, because that was your circadian rhythm. That's exactly where it occurs. And the thing is, um, we have adenosine that is produced all day, so that makes us awake. And then when it produces too much, it says to your body, uh, you gotta go to sleep. So you could force yourself, take the caffeine, do all you want, try to keep yourself even more awake, but one day your body's gonna have to shut down and say, okay, I gotta go to sleep. And sometimes some people will just knock out and sleep in the middle of, the day of nowhere, and that's your body saying, you know, you really got to take away the adenosine. We need to produce other hormones. And a lack of sleep is actually where you can start to have a weight gain. There's um, issues with the abnormalities of the hormones in the body. I have some people, periods are altered um, when it's extreme. Um, Your mental health is as bad as well. And also memory. Believe it or not, you will have a better memory in courses when you sleep than when you don't, thinking that, oh, I could take out all this information. I'm going to tackle all this information. No, actually when you memorize something, you're not really memorizing, but your mind has a way of storing information indirectly without you knowing it. So the fact that you sat in class once, you already had stored some type of information during that class, whether you wanted to do it consciously. Now, when you do it again to review, you're actually consciously reviewing what you saw, but your mind already had stored some part of this information. So when you lack that sleep, you're actually taking away that information, and so it's very hard to recall. That's why sometimes some people will say, oh, I answered this question, but I don't know. I was able to answer recalling something that happened, but I didn't remember it consciously. I just knew that I saw it somewhere. That's your mind remembering indirectly. And that's where sleep comes.
0: And I, and I think it's super interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of, and I mean, as I was mentioning before, like a lot of folks think that sleep is just like those things that, you know, like if I just get this done now, like they'll try to push through, push through and persevere. But like even, you know, the piece that you said with memory, like we need to have that period during the night where our bodies can kind of reset and kind of re, you know, kind of like, re, like re-remember in a way, all the things that we've learned throughout the day. And I know for me, like, especially now during the quarantine like that blurred you know that blurred sense of like when do I need to sleep when can I take a nap it's become even more difficult I would say because we're at home all the time and I would say for me personally like I used to do all of my work on campus because I knew that campus was like a place to be productive and a place where I can get my work done and now that we're still in quarantine
4: like that's been blurred so I think definitely I can you know speak to that as well. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out, um, and the quarantine is going to affect sleep a lot in that sense because um, a sleep hygiene also includes that you set a place to sleep. So if you're sleeping on the couch, you're go- one day you're going to walk in, and that clue, when just like looking at the couch, is going to give your body that cue that say, oh, let's go to sleep, right? So when you are on campus and you're productive on campus, you already had your body cued that once I hit my bedroom that sleep like even if i don't want to that's the cue it's like a discriminative stimulus right there so now with this um pandemic some people don't have many rooms so their bedroom is the office is the bedroom is the you know and that's very hard to separate and say no this is sleep and this is work um and that's why for the hygiene thing i i don't know i don't think i put it here but i know in the sleep hygiene they said to set aside like don't don't work on your bed, don't read on your bed, don't eat on your bed, because you don't want that when you don't want to do those things, your body's having that cue to say, oh, this is what we're going to do now, okay, it changes your your habit, it's almost like an instinct you're developing. Yeah, um, it's definitely one of those
1: things, I think, um, I don't
4: know,
1: I've definitely read it before. It's like one of those things that you're, you're only two things you're supposed to do in bed. You can have sex in bed and you can sleep in your bed, but house
4: nothing else. have That's only two things. That's exactly it. So I know some people have studio apartments. I had one at my time, like I had a studio apartment. So like the bedroom and then my living room and my study room was all in one kitchen was very on the side bathroom was on the side. So literally I had to like put my bed in that corner and I had to put a table aside. And when I'm studying, if I'm tired, I really go into my bed. Like, I am not gonna sit there and sleep because if I train to sleep on that chair, then that chair will become my bed. You know what I mean? Or don't do my work on my bed because then when I want to go to sleep, it's saying, no, it's time to work. So you, you have to train yourself with that environment to say, this is the corner for this and that's the corner for that and keep that as is, that's important.
0: And I would say too, like, I think one thing that we can also bring up is the importance of living with family, right? A lot of folks. Uh, Oh, yes. I know for me, um, my mom's working from home and she works a full desk job, but she's in the basement and I'm here in the porch. So it's like even differentiating like that boundary with with family too, and like I've had to have conversations that even though we're in these shared spaces that you know, like even right now, like my sister can walk through, my dad can walk through, there's this boundary that it's like I'm working, I'm in this space because I know I can be productive. But I've had to have many conversations and I I can um assume for um the rest of us here, and even for like our viewers as well, that they've had to have conversations with their family and be like, when I'm in this space right now, I'm productive and I cannot, you know, be distracted or I cannot, you know, do these certain things. And it's the same for older generation and new generation. So I think even bringing up that, um, that boundary work that we needed to do with our families is, is also super important that recognize that, like, when I'm in the dining room, when I'm in a shared space that's I'm not productive there. And I can say that for myself, like when I'm in my kitchen, I am cooking or I am eating and that is it. But I'm not like bringing my laptop to my kitchen to work, right? Versus when I'm in this space, I know I can be productive
4: and get my work done fully. So I think it's also important to speak to that as well. And for those living in family, adding to you your thing there, um, and I had that when I was taking the board, especially when I was going to PA school, I literally had to put on my door like testing, And no one would go in, like literally, because they knew like, oh, we want you to pass. Well, then put testing so that, you know, they know I'm busy, (laughs) you know, because that's why they're not going to walk in and say, oh, later on, later on, unless it's a really dire emergency, like someone's dying, you're not going to bother me, literally. Just put a sign, put a sign, because I know if your parents want you to pass and they know this is a COVID pandemic and there's no room in the house, they got to give you your space. That's it.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's great that you guys mentioned both of the, the boundaries with, you know, family members and navigating that and the boundaries with tech, because I believe in our upcoming presentation that we do discuss a bit of the boundaries in detail. Um, but our next slide is to discuss how it affects, you know, our
0: life. Yeah. So, in in the context of our episode today and our presentation, it's also important for even student leaders or just college students in general, the college community, to especially maintain a good work life balance. As students, we're juggling with both coursework and other responsibilities in our home. Um, you know, taking care of family and so much more. And with um, Technology they enhance how we navigate these responsibilities by maintaining organization and our productivity day to day. So they enhance collaboration, they enhance access, and they also enhance flexibility and accountability. But we also, as we're gonna be um, speaking more in this presentation, we need to um, establish those boundaries, both soft and hard ones, so that we can effectively have a good balance with our technology.
1: like i said um i want to ask you guys like you know what are your boundaries with the tech that you have i know for me like as i said i do have my phone on do not disturb and i try my best to if i'm even if i'm going to do that scroll that i'm very conscious that i leave it to a certain time because I don't want to be up at like going, setting up to go to bed at like nine o'clock and then I'm up until one o'clock on my phone. So I'm, I'm very conscious to keep it to like 15 minutes with the timer, um, pick up my phone, maybe look at it and then go to sleep. I do want to move away from doing that because I don't want to be looking at my screen right before I go to bed, but it's a work in progress. But I know like I don't watch TV before sleep because this going to class and going to my lectures and then switching over to watching TV, like it just it's been rough for my eyes and my posture and stuff. So those are kind of my boundaries that I've been developing.
0: Yeah, I would say for me, I've been definitely um, even, like, using my calendar on my phone to kind of, like, give me reminders. Because I know for me, like, I work really well with Google Calendar reminders. Because they'll give me, like, a 30-minute, you know, countdown to, like, a 15-minute to, like, I need to stop. And there's even um, apps like Screen Time on iPhone that can actually um, further help with that boundary. So I use that. And I use time where it's, like, I'm productive with my laptop. And I kind of divide it even by, like, product too, or like, cause for me, like I like to play video games, but Screen time also impacts my eyes. Like I know for me after like two, three hours, my eyes, even with these blue light glasses, they can start to burn and they can start, you know, I can start feeling the side effects on my eyes on my screen. So I started putting like, I can play on my games for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And then I need to take that break. Cause I can't go directly from like one screen to another. Cause then I'll start feeling that pop, that effect on my eyes. So I've definitely started to use that um, and using, you know, Uh, Kind of, it's a work in progress, but kind of, you know, continuing with that boundary has also helped me a lot with my tech.
1: Um, Elise, have you had any boundaries that you've been able to set with your technology over the course of the year or even maybe before then?
2: Uh, So I've tried, I've tried uh, to um, get off um, the the MacBook in, in doing work after 5.30, six o'clock and then, you know, resets uh, my mind by, um, you know, um, listening to music Ooh. and, you know, uh, you know reading uh, a bit more. I figure that now that I'm home, I could be able to uh, utilize the time that I use, you know, for my commute, not having to worry about standing or being, you know, crowded in um, a subway and be able to read so i've been doing that and um i also took um, gabby's suggestion and then i set the night function on my iphone where the screen time uh, where the screen um, background is darkened and whenever i see that i feel like i've developed this like subliminal you know reaction to kind of like cut down On you know going on you know on social media on Snapchat or anything, it's 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 a challenge because I I I feel that we are addicted to um, these apps and you know just like any addiction we have to first you know admit that we have a problem. So I admitted that I have a problem, and I started taking steps. Um, I mean like, why do I need to take the phone with me when I go to the bathroom? Seriously? Like, do I really need to do that? So I've stopped taking the phone with me when I go to the bathroom when I'm showering. So like my shower, that time is my time. And if somebody calls, if I get a text, you know, they just have to wait until I, you know, get out of the bathroom. So, you know, baby steps, it's hard. But this is also the time for us to take an opportunity and reflect back at our actions and what we're dependent on. Like, why do we have to be on our phones 24 seven? You know, we have to decondition the programming that has happened to our minds. So yeah, that's how I feel.
1: And Linda, how have you been able to kind of set boundaries with your tech or maybe you're learning
4: to set more boundaries with them? Okay, so technically, um, because I grew up in an age where the tech wasn't that strong as it is now, I know that I like my cell phone a lot, but I always tell myself, who created the cell phone? Man, right? So I'm not going to let this thing take care of my life or take over my life, I have to take over it. So, like, when it comes to important phone calls, first of all, at night, it's off. Like, I am not, you're not going to get me anywhere, okay? Um, Of course, if I'm on call, I'm on call. But if I'm not on call, don't even bother. Leave a voice message, literally. Um, At night, I also don't use, um, like, alarms that have lights in them. Or if they do, it's only when the alarm goes off, the light will go on. But just throughout the night, there's nothing lighted up in my bedroom. Um, Another thing is, like with tech, I know that you were saying that, you know, you always want to look at your phone once in a while and everything. But, you know, this was the same before this whole tech age was there, because TV was something that people would watch at night before sleep. That was their cell phone, technically. You know, I have people, they'll say, oh, no, I got to see this movie before I go to sleep. And they got to see the last part of it and everything. And they're up all night. And the television is in the bedroom, which is the worst place, you know. So those things like television included, um, those are the things out there, the gadgets that are making us change our habits and also like controlling ourselves, our lives. So it's not just a cell phone. I mean, it could be anything tech, basically speaking, that's affecting us. And we need to take a a role and say, no, this is is where I am and this has to stay apart, okay? It's almost like candy. Like you know when you should get it and when you should not, right? So that's what you tell to a kid. So the same thing for an adult. Like I like my cell phone, I like my pad, I like my this. But you got to set it aside for some time. That's it.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think it's important for our viewers and for like our audience to understand that, like, it's a work in progress, right? You're not going to get it done all in one week or like a couple of weeks. Like it takes a while. Like I know for me, like there are still some moments where like, I'll get the notification that says like, Hey, like, you know, start, start winding down your period of, of being productive on your laptop for, you know, until like the next 30 minutes. And I'm just like, I can do it. I can go a little bit longer. And you know, it's, it's, important to like not be so hard on yourself in a way because i know i was definitely when i first started i was just like i know exactly at 6 p.m i need to stop and then it would be 6 15 i'm like i did not do that so i would say for everyone to just be mindful that like boundaries are are literally hand in hand with your comfort level and how you know how you're willing to kind of deal with the effects of technology and like linda was saying like a lot of these things you know are a work in progress and and you need to, you know, continue to to train your body that at a certain time or this certain thing that you do, you keep to it. Cause otherwise, you know, it's a lot of work for something that really isn't, may not work out well for you.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I tell myself all the time, you know, be patient because it takes a while to make a habit and it takes even longer to make a lifestyle. So I know like sometimes if I'm gonna pick up the phone, I'm not gonna badger myself of like, oh, I can't believe you did that cat it's just a matter of, you know, that's what I was feeling today. Maybe that's what I thought, you know, my ease, my like, my, my little mental hamster wheel. And, you know, that's okay. You know, I'm still keeping mindful of the boundaries. So like, if I'm going to pick up the phone, it's not going to be the four hours, I'm going to be conscious that I only want to be here for 10 minutes. And you know, that's kind of how I navigate the situation, depending on how I'm feeling on that day. Um, But next, we are going to talk about actually the same thing that you're talking about um how working from home and our frequent use of technology can actually make it always feel like we're on the job um I know for me it's like if I'm answering emails past my like end of the day shift I feel like I'm still working and for me that's like okay that's airing into the I don't want to be you know in my me time zone meditating or doing yoga and then I'm like, oh I have to stop my yoga to answer an email.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I would say for me too, like um kind of going back to the point that I was saying about like how that's been blurred, right? So I know for a lot of folks like the the removal of that physical space that was campus, um And now everybody's at home all the time, that can lead you. I mean, definitely has led me to feel like I'm always on the job 24-7 because I would get like an email, and it's like, because my computer's right there, I could just get it done quickly. But I needed to kind of train myself to be like, okay, even though I'm working at home, I'm still at home. And the importance of a home space is, is a place for rest, a place for being with family, a place for me. And I needed to kind of train myself to kind of, you know, designating a physical space, like a workspace for me to be like, this is where I can be productive and that's it. So I, I know for me, like I cannot be productive in my bedroom because my bedroom has my bed. And even though I have a desk in my bedroom, that's for like, if I'm FaceTiming a friend or if I'm doing something for myself. Right. So, I would say that this quote just like resonates with a lot of folks because even though we're at home we can feel like we're working 24 7 but the need of boundaries are extremely important because this is how we're able to find that balance um, with combining work and school and also life
1: on the next slide which is our benefits of boundaries so at least this is all you
2: Boundaries? Yes. Uh, so as Kat stated, uh, we need boundaries so when we're dealing with working at home, uh, we're able to utilize them. But it's just as important to set these boundaries with our technology use. So by setting boundaries, we can help reduce anxiety and depression, which are two major side effects associated with excessive technology use. Uh, you can also consider Uh, downloading screen type apps like Moments. You can also choose to set limits from your phone settings. Either way, you'll be able to pinpoint overused apps. Uh, Learning these disciplines early on and continuing to monitor them will help us develop healthy technology boundaries um, for ourselves and for our future use.
0: All right, and with that, Um, I'll be going over some tips that you can add to your daily routine to reclaim your control over your use of tech and maintaining that healthy work life balance so first a pretty. Um, noticeable thing that we've kind of all been saying throughout this is to limit your screen time. So as Elise mentioned, there's apps like Moment that can help reduce screen time. Um, there's a feature on iPhones that allow you to reduce screen time that is super easy to set up. You can choose when and how you want your notifications to limit your screen time to be delivered. And I believe there's, an, there's also another feature for Android as well, although I'm not entirely sure um, the name. So um, if you don't want to put limits on your phone itself and you prefer, um, like the physical aspect of it. When using a laptop, tablet, or a TV, try to see how long you're on the screen and log those times. And then try to cut down the average screen time by at least an hour, and then do something else that you'd like to enjoy. Next, set manageable goals and list out your priorities to see what you like to manage. See what needs technology and what doesn't. So if a grocery run maybe can need your phone for a bit, then make sure you're only using it for that moment. And then maybe try to limit something um, that maybe does not need a technology aspect in order to be done on your to-do list. Next, consider creating smart goals. And smart goals—the acronym stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relatable, and time-specific. So, setting goals like these can help um, continue for can help you continue to have like a proactive daily basis. Um, and then finally, don't procrastinate on your work, which is something that I definitely need to work on. Um, make sure to keep track of your tasks early on by using a planner or calendar so you know exactly what you need to finish before a deadline. And my personal favorite is Google Calendar because it gives me those time in, um, intervals that allows me to, you know, see when I need to complete something either 30, 15, or five minutes. And it's also accessible with my Google account, which I can use on my phone, laptop, or desktop. And the next set of
1: steps um, like tips to control your technology impacts are I think really important to like just overall well-being so like your first step is going to be you want to get at least 15 minutes out of your day for just physical activity and when I say that I mean like literally it can be anything if you want to stretch for 15 minutes maybe do a yoga stance um, take a walk for 15 minutes run running's not my thing so running's never the option for me <laughs> but you know, it can be in any capacity, as long as you are getting that blood flow in the body. Uh, then you want to also find a retreat space. So, you know, with this pandemic, we are hopefully mostly home and being safe. Um, but that can also feel very, you know, like cabin fevery. and you do want to have a designated space that you can go in and just be like, okay, this is the time where I relax. This is the time where I'm just with myself and my thoughts. Um, and that doesn't need to be a room. That doesn't need to be like a, a whole space designated. Maybe it's just like the corner of your room or a specific chair. Maybe you, when you're in the shower, that's your time for you just yourself. And, you know, make the most out of that space for you to check in with yourself. Um, and then the next is dedicate time for self-care. And I think self-care, is important to note, is different from everyone, for everyone. And it looks different. It can improve your mood and reduce your stress, but that's different ways to practice it. So you can be doing your face mask, you can get a massage, you can virtually meet with your friends, you can catch up—well, not catch up—but you can take a nap, Um, or even the smaller things. That's just like taking note of what your body needs right now. Do you need water? Do you need to eat? Do you use the bathroom? Like those are all little tiny acts you can do for self-care. So, um, so additional things that we can kind of just note is that students should focus on like where they are right now. So, you know, be very present with yourself. You don't have to stress about, you know, too many things in the future. Just be mindful of, you know, things that you can write down and maybe get out of your mind and be present with yourself. Um, We shouldn't allow everything to kind of just pile up mentally so you know trying to get those words and those thoughts out on paper might help or maybe talking to a friend or someone a loved one can help um and then i think what's always really important to note and i have a really big difficulty for it and it's always been like my top thing to like really get good at is learn how to say no um I think right now, more than ever, it's super important to understand your boundaries and what you need um, and understand that, you know, no doesn't necessarily need to be rude. No doesn't necessarily mean that you don't care. No just means that I can't do it and that's fine. You know, maybe it's a no with a but. No, I can't do this now, but I can do it then. But, you know, feel comfortable and confident that, you know, when you say no, you're doing it for yourself, not because you don't want to do it for someone else.
0: And with that, uh, we would like to ask both Elise, uh, Linda and Kat. Um, how have you been managing uh, work life balance? How has this whole process been for you? And anyone can begin.
4: OK, so for me, um, that now that the Student Health Center is two days a week, I would think that it would be less, but actually it could be a little more. Uh, because with the pandemic now that i'm not here like i have now other responsibilities at my other job at you know the hospital and so there's like new tasks and new responsibilities and sometimes with those that can also i'm not saying that it would increase the workload but it can offset my routine work life balance that i had gotten used to pre covid because right now before it was only 5 days a week here and it's a student health center, and it's not as intense or as aggressive as a real hospital clinic. So here, you know, you're dealing with students. They come as they come. Some make appointments. It was not an issue. And we're not billing the students over there. It's like you're dealing with billing. You're dealing with patients. Then you got to deal with COVID. you got to do the screening. And it's a whole um, higher, higher, a new hierarchy, literally, that is totally different than on a student level. Um, health center scale. And being that this is only two days a week and not like five days a week, it's a whole different ball game. And then not, now with the pandemic, everything is, is very, um, there's a lot of constraints, a lot of restrictions, not only on the clinic side, but also in the social side as well. Things that you would like to do, you can't do because, you know, oh, this is COVID. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like even going to restaurants is another thing. So that's why um, even though we have a stringent work-life, like I try to create a work-life balance with what I have with this new type of lifestyle, and going forward, even if we have the vaccine and COVID is past us, it's going to put us to think about this in the back of our minds. There'll be something in our minds still having to say, you know what, I still need to put a limit on this because I might have a potential to get another type of virus like COVID. You know, it's going to affect us all indirectly, even in the long run, mm-hmm. because the virus that is not like flu. Like, we had H1N1. Okay, H1N1 came, but when they put the new vaccine, it was over. Like, this is different. This is going on a scale on every level. So, and that's affecting the social work-life balance as well. So, we have to be very creative, technically. Um, the little things that we take for granted is now the most important thing that we should take into account Mm -hmm. and you know taking deep breaths praying um just being thankful that you're here is something that you should take into mind and say that i'm able to balance my life in this way and not say the stresses are too much for me not everyone is in stress
2: (laughs) absolutely if i can just um add to what um you you said uh, linda i feel that um balancing work-life balance in general um, is challenging. And to add to that, the fact that we are in a pandemic and we are supposedly entering uh, a very dark winter, um, that adds to um, the anxiety of, of working at home, um, adhering to deadlines, um, Making sure that the quality of work is great, and um, on top of that, uh, you know, uh, validating reasons to to leave your house, um, and taking the risk of uh, bringing anything back home to family members if you live with them. So. Uh, that's why, as you mentioned, it's important to to breathe, uh, to meditate, to have an aspect of spirituality added to your life, because that will, um, you know, have a positive impact on your work life balance. And that's what has helped for me. Uh, my meditation has helped for me. Uh, my my daily workouts have have worked for me, because. Um, They allow me to, you know, stretch my mind and, you know, be more physical. And also the fact that uh, the work that I do is so important, being able to share information on ways to, uh, you know, prevent disease and maintain health and uh, uh, motivate students and inspire them through the Office of Health and Wellness and still be able to be connected with my team members, you know, brings happiness to me. So it's important to uh, search and see what brings you joy and um, do something for yourself um, that makes you happy because uh, it's not being selfish. Um, If you're doing something that's for the greater good, of your body, for your mind and for your soul, because this in turn will have a positive impact on your family because you won't, you know, have a, a short uh, fuse and you won't be um, getting angry as quickly uh, when you're uh, less anxious.
1: Yeah, um, that's really beautiful. Thank you for that, Elise. Um, I think what Gabby and me will probably say is the connections um, have really been heightened and helped through this um, work-life balance transition and this pandemic. Um, me and Gabby both host a nightly movie night with our friends, um, or game night, depending on how we're feeling. Uh, and it's just another way for us to take a break and kind of connect with each other and kind of figure out, you know, catch up with on um, how's everyone's going, how's everyone feeling, how's everyone's family, and then also a way to kind of decompress and you know. Just focus on a show that we all like and discuss about that or laugh together amongst all this going on
0: yeah i would say for me like going back to that piece that uh brings you joy i know my animals bring me joy which speaking of she's right here hold on oh this little girl brings me joy every single every single day and and it's so funny that a lot of folks were saying that pets I think are the most happiest, I think for all of us, cause we're at home all the time, 24 seven. And I would say my animals are, are literally like, I can spend like 45 minutes with them and easily like my serotonin levels just rise. So I would say definitely going back to the things that bring you joy, whether it be your pets, whether it be your family, whether it be so many different things, um, definitely lean on them and, and relish in them. And the fact that, that they're here to, to help you. So yeah, I would say definitely this, this little girl brings me a lot of joy.
1: She was like, I was not expecting to be on camera today. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's a good oh. Thank you.
1: But that is all the time we have for today. I hope everyone enjoyed our session today.
0: Yeah, and we hope to see you uh, next time on Bring the Virtual Balance and a huge thank you to all of our panelists.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Yeah our panelists stay safe stay healthy and well
4: and thank you for inviting me as well
1: thank you for coming yeah. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> All
4: right. thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Bring the Virtual Balance, a podcast by the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. Follow us on Instagram at Baruch Pause, and we'll see you next time.